The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can uh, ask a question via the listener inquiry button and archive old shows as well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good, Good morning, morning, Scott. Scott. Uh, market info update. Lots yeah. of changes, lots of fluctuations. Lots of volatility. Of yeah, um, sure. And, you know, at, at IG Wealth Management, what uh, what was important, and actually from a support perspective, is on Monday night, we had a special conference call arranged. And the participants, and this was open to all advisors across the country, but the participants were the head of McKenzie Financial and one of the investment team heads at BlackRock out of New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was a fascinating conversation for about 30 minutes where we got to hear their perspective on two main things, which is what are the portfolio managers doing now right. to deal with the market volatility in, within our prospective investment portfolios? And, and the other side of that is what should individuals be doing and advisors as well. Right. And so uh, both Don and I participated in that conference call and we made some summary notes in terms of some of the highlights that each of us took from that. And uh, so we want to talk a little bit about those two areas and we'll start off with um, what what should, uh, or what are the portfolio managers doing right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you got to think right off the get-go. And, and again, if your financial advisor, um, whoever that may be, and even if you're doing it yourself, the, the, the cost of dealing with equities is volatility. Mm-hmm. It always has been. That hasn't changed. It's always, it's kind of interesting. Nobody looks at volatility as something of any significance when the market's rising. Right. But that's upward volatility, but everybody loves that yeah. volatility, right? It's when it goes down. And it's, uh, and of course, that's when, you know, you have a lot of fear mm-hmm. and human na- emotion gets involved. So, you know, listening to uh, Tony Olivia, um, he, he talked and he's in charge of McKenzie's side of the investments. And just basically, you know, it is volatile and uh, the price of the uh, good returns over the long run is volatility, but just keeping it an event. Um, back in Monday, it just happened that the market had its biggest in the uh, U.S. market back on Monday, had the biggest up um, point increase uh-huh. um, in the history. Mm-hmm. But that was also after five bad days on the, the following yeah. week. And then Tuesday was down a bit too. So again, and, 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 our, and another manager said, you know, expect the volatility going forward for a while. Because when you're talking about something of a bit of an unknown, now we've dealt with viruses in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Like that part's not unknown. Uh, it's just how it affects everything mm-hmm. and how long it lasts. And, you know, what companies, uh, you know, how that may affect companies. So they are just, they're not buying on any dips at this time. They do expect this to be going on for the next uh, month or two. Mm-hmm. And so they've actually mm-hmm. adjusted um, their their portfolios to be less, um, call it heavy weighted in equities right now. Right. Um, because they expect this to be quite volatile for the foreseeable future. And it is not going to be, a, it is not a China thing as we already know. It's, it's going to be global. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is still, it's, it's a, you know, life-threatening yeah. flu, but it's not still, the death rate is probably no. going to be, you know, fairly low. Mm-hmm. And they expect, a, you know, a, a cure, even though a cure usually takes about a year to 18 months vaccine, to come yeah. through a vaccine. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> so that's the downside. So it's the, really it's about getting it controlled. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing. Yeah. So then while you're getting it controlled, what's the economy doing? That's where the market goes up and down yeah. because they don't really know what the market is Everything is closed. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things in, in terms of specifics of what the portfolio managers have been doing, as Don mentioned too, is just the one key area was reducing some U.S. exposure. And U.S. exposure recently, we've heard of the FANG stocks, the Facebook, the um, Amazon, uh, and um, those type of tech companies, um, they've actually reduced their exposure to tech companies. And the biggest concern there is the supply chain. Right. A lot of the chips and uh, other um, <coughs> equipment for a lot of the tech sector comes out of China mm-hmm. and, the, and the supply chain has been disrupted. So that's going to have an impact on sure. profitability and stock price as well. And as Don said, they definitely are, had reduced their equity exposure, but they still continue to be overweight in equities. And that's on the premise that there's still a lot of underlying great factors, low unemployment, uh, low inflation at this point, and of course, low interest rates, which was um, uh, also a, a, another thing that happened this week was right. a drop in interest rates by half a percent as mm-hmm. well. And uh, in addition to that, they're- In the US, right? In, in the, the US, US yes. Yes. That's so, right. Thank you. One addition of that is uh, they are cautious in the high yield or corporate bond area because when interest rates go down like that, it, 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 it pushes up the value of bonds. And uh, so they're concerned a little bit about liquidity. So they've been looking at trimming back the high yield exposure to uh, corporate bonds. But they've also increased their equities in the global market, in the developed market. So those would be the large sort of blue chip global companies outside of North America. And um, in January, uh, some of the managers purchased options, and options are designed to reduce market volatility. And basically, that helped the portfolios in many cases. Mm-hmm. And they've also been actively trading to sort of rotate over any overweight sectors. And um, because each sector sort of performs differently, for example, consumer staples, you hear like companies like Costco, who are, there were just lineups yeah. and people, they're, yeah. and they're, they're, their stock is actually going up. And some gold positions have been added as well to reduce volatility. So uh, the bottom line is that for most uh, clients or most listeners out there, you know, you either have actively managed investments or you have passively managed investments. Passive managed investments would be like an exchange traded fund or ETF. Basically, you're just riding the, the, the mm-hmm. market index up or down. There's nothing nothing actively being done to mitigate the swings up or down right. in the portfolio. Whereas with an actively managed portfolio, you're looking at strategies to try and reduce the overall volatility. Mm-hmm. And with less volatility, you know, you have a little more peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and certainly for a retiree's perspective, I think that's something that's, uh, that's very important as well. So like, the overall goal is, is that, you know, your money never sleeps in that sort of actively managed mm. area. And um, the goal is to simply reduce the, the volatility at the same time. And we saw markets decline almost 12% last last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because th- these are great opportunities for an active manager, as Andy was just talking about, with the active manager not simply buying an index. And that's where they really earn their stripes because they're looking at this as, oh, good, you know, there's chance for them to make some short-term gains, Mm -hmm. rebalance their portfolio because let's say they were a little high in technology because of the the big run. So here's a chance where they're able to buy uh, cheaper prices, some of the manufacturers that had gone down further than, say, the technology sector has. Mm -hmm. So it's almost a a chance to rebalance their own portfolios and do it at a real cost-effective way. Plus, there's a lot of trading going on. Trading in general Mm -hmm. is way up. So it's extremely active. It's it's, it's interesting, again, you know, the emotion of, of downside risk. 
is far greater when, than upside. Mm-hmm. And so people really get on the ball. We never get these phone calls when things go up 10%. Yeah. Okay? No. <laughs> Head office doesn't say, okay, we're going to get all the fund managers and say, why is the, why is the market going up so quickly? Mm-hmm. Why that, is it doing so well? Yeah, that, I don't remember getting I'm one. I'm in a panic. <laughs> it was only two weeks ago we hit all-time highs. Yeah. I didn't get a call that it was an all-time high, but you do get a call when it's down. And again, this is a reflection of us trying to help out our clients. Let them try to understand you know, what's going on. But it is a... It is a time of opportunity, certainly is a, not a time to get out of the market as mm. an individual. The chance of, first of all, trying to time the market is almost impossible. You're seeing some big swings of 3% a day. So if you did get out, say, you know, on Monday going yeah. forward, is that a good time? I don't know. But even worse, when do you get back in? Because yeah. when it's going up 3 to 4% any given day, if it goes up or down 1,000 points, that's a lot of money. That's... You know, that could be a whole year's rate of return mm-hmm. simply on buying at the wrong time and selling at the wrong time. Yeah. So it is a very difficult time. Let the managers do their job. There's, you do have to have some faith because they are, there is a lot of movement going on. And that's a nice thing. They are, you, this is where they are earning their stripes, as I said. And, and you get a chance for them to really do things. And they're what they call adding alpha. See, a, a passive investment such as an ETF, exchange-traded fund, does not add any alpha because they're simply buying the index. Mm-hmm. So they are simply going up and down with the markets. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. You're, you're hearing a lot of commercials in the last few years of different companies you know, discussing how you can save money by buying index funds or um, buying, you know, Questrade is probably mm-hmm. the one that you hear a lot lately <clears throat> of their, you, you can save money because the fees are less. Well, yeah, the fees are less because there is no active management. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quite interesting. I, I went on their their website last week and I said, okay, well, if you go on, you can actually find out what an equity fund will do over 30 years. And it's quite fascinating. I'm not quite sure actually how they get, a, get away with this. But anyway, they basically suggest that if you add $3,000 a year for 30 years with them, you'd end up with $770,000. But with a mutual fund, you'd end up with $476,000. In fact, it'd be a difference of $293,000 by using uh, an active manager, mutual fund versus a passive uh, manager such as Questrade, which is a 62% difference. Now, when you start looking more into it, you think, okay, they're simply looking at, okay, if the return was, say, 10% and their fee is half a percent, then they would make 9.5%. Where an active manager, they'd make the same 10%, they assume that we would there the exact same return would be achieved and take off the 2% fee which is four times greater and you end up with 8%. So it's kind of interesting. So they're basically saying we're going to do 9 and a half and you're going to do 8. They actually never say that because that would of course cross the line. But they're assuming the active manager adds no value. Mm. There's zero value by having an active manager. They're not increasing the rate of return one bit. Get what you pay for. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So you're seeing you know, case in point the whole conversation of what an active manager was doing, buying low volatility stocks to help help our clients so they're not going through the gyrations of the ups and downs. And that's huge because even if the return's the same, I like less risk. Mm-hmm. I like less uh, ups and downs. I don't want to see, you know, if even if the ups and downs of, say, a quest trade are going up or down 10%, I like ours to go up and down, say, 7%. Mm-hmm. We might end up with the same return. But I love the fact that it's less volatile mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that's what risk is, is how volatile it is. So it was interesting. Based on their, their whole um, you know, s- 
it's assumption here that the returns are going to be a lot, you know, basically the fee is coming off the return and they're going to do just as well as we are. Well, I took a look at their returns and their one-year return. Again, these are dated at the end of 2019. So their one-year return of a pure equity fund was 20.32%. I looked at a IG Wealth Management iProfile account, almost the same um, situation in terms of the allocation and ours was 20.48. So we actually outperformed it by not a lot, 0.16. So then I said, well, that's only one year. What about three years? Well, theirs was 7.98% and ours was 8.16%. So again, we outperformed it by 0.18. So they said, well, let's go all the way up to five years. That's as far as they go. Theirs was 7.37%. Ours was 7.56%. Again, we actually outperformed it by 0.19. The end of the day, are we actually outperformed them, but even if it was the same, that just throws their whole assumption out that you're, you are getting some value here. And so IG is providing value. You're adding extra alpha, which mean, really means you're getting more return and you're getting less risk. So you get what you pay for when you look at active management versus passive manage- management. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com and you can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about market volatility and how things have been changing over the last week or so. Yeah, I know. We, well, we're just reflecting on a conference call that Don are participated in with the head of asset management investment teams at both BlackRock and McKenzie Financial. And um, as we sort of drew on the second part of that, which was what should you be doing as an individual? Uh, and questions come out and Don and I have had emails or questions from clients saying, you know, is there something we should be worried about? What should we be doing? Well, the first thing that jumped out at me was this, this thought that, oh, maybe I should go to cash. And the number one thing that came back to us from these investment management uh, leaders was do not go to cash. Going to cash is so difficult because you're out of the market. And as Don mentioned too, a a 3% swing in one day Mm. could end up being your return for the entire year. So your your capacity to, to get both sides of that decision correct are so minimal mm-hmm. that uh, you know I've never seen anybody that can do it and have has done it successfully. I think the second thing we talked about is just understanding your risk or the volatility that you have in your portfolio. We measure that with something called standard deviation and we can describe that to a client by talking about how much could your portfolio go up or down in a given year. So if you had a you know a $100,000, could it be worth 80,000 a year from now or or 120,000 a year from now. So that's a 40,000 swing one way or another, but it gives you an idea of your portfolio. And understanding then the answer to that is, is it appropriate for you? And in most cases, we've already done the back testing and, and done an understanding to see 
risk assessment to see what a portfolio should be for a client. But that's something to consider. I was We ran across uh, a client scenario where we're reviewing them as a potential new client, but we discovered that their portfolio at their group RRSP plan was far more aggressive than they thought it was. Mm-hmm. They described it as a you know moderate conservative where it was actually moderate aggressive. Well, this week, that client is now going to have experienced a lot more volatility Mm -hmm, in the value of their plan than they would have imagined. Yeah, they all like the return saying, well, this one did 13% versus a moderate conservative would only done, say, 9%. Yes. So I like this one. This one, look at the average. But again, that all comes down to volatility. Exactly. Um, They also said there's not going to be an immediate return to the previous highs that we saw a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to continue to see some volatility. There's actually going to be probably an increase or continuation of negative news coming out of this. And I think that it's important just to be ready psychologically that, you know, the sensationalism, it's always breaking news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> every, time, yeah, yeah. every time I turn on the news station, there's breaking news. And uh, so I think that tends to wear off after a while. But, and as well, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, we've had uh, quite a long period of sustained growth. Uh, for over 11 10 years, years. 11 years. 11 years, yeah. there you go. And many were predicting any time there's going to be a correction. And it seems at this point, coronavirus has just been the trigger. Trigger, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And any, it could have been anything. That's right. And, it, and usually there is an economic cycle where suddenly, yeah. you know, um, wages start to fall off or employment starts to fall off. And then you end up in a recessionary period uh, or there's an inflation issue. So something happens to mm-hmm. trigger it. Um, but it's important to also remember that it doesn't last very long. We're going to talk more about that later as well. We, thinking back, they were talking about H1N1, and H1N1 was a was a, a pretty massively distributed yeah. virus that people got. But the the issue there was tens of thousands of cases uh, in North America. But the the truth is there was a vaccine created for that, and the next year there it was there. It was in our flu shot, and mm-hmm. the most important thing people can do is get the flu shot. So if we're thinking uh, twelve months from now, eighteen months from now, yeah. there'll be a vaccine for. COVID-19 and it'll be in your flu shot for next for the and the still and fall. still no one will get the flu shot. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that changes the pattern. Yeah, year. exactly. Um, the other thing we talked about too is just thinking back in the last 20 years and uh, Don and I have the the benefit of having been in the industry that long and we can think about all of these dates and events that have happened where it just felt like it was the worst of times. Yeah. There was just a crisis happening. Um, people are worried or concerned or calling. As, if, as we're sort of talking about it, it's it's amazing how quickly they're forgotten. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. time has moved on. Yep. There's another you know crisis du jour of the day, and yep. and and you you forget about all those previous ones. And and in many cases, they were worse. Mm-hmm. So well, SARS is a perfect example. Yeah, that was 20 years ago, and you know it did have its impact, but it was a big battle. Let's get this cured right away. Let's get this uh, virus cured, and they were working you know, quickly trying to get this done. Well, then it fizzled out. Yeah. They actually never did finish off the job yeah. <laughs> yeah. because they had, so well, I guess it's Runs kind of its over. Course, yeah. It ran its course and it was over. And we, again, with this one, we don't know at the time, but again, it, you know, a lot of people got sick. There were unfortunately some deaths involved. And, and But the world's changed a lot since then. First of all, China was 20% of its size 20 years ago. Hmm. Okay. So it's five times bigger in terms of how much they impact our supply chain. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at NHL players worried if they can buy hockey sticks next yeah, <laughs> next yeah. uh, week or whatever, it's because China's now making them. Mm-hmm. Or Apple's stock has gone down because they're worried about their supply chain. Oh. So that's a lot of the reason why they're looking at the markets dropping is because all the supply is coming, a lot of it's coming from China. Sure. And they're not able to make their products. 
So that's one thing. And the other side is our our own medicine. Um, we're, we're better at it. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, we're, we're better yeah, at coming up with stuff. There's a protocol in place. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're better at finding mm-hmm. cures, and, and we've gone through this already. So, you know, my personal opinion on here is it's not too dissimilar mm-hmm. to what you're saying, Scott. It was kind of looking for something for it to go down, but eventually fear will take over. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing, I'm, I think you're seeing some of that already with, uh, you know, a, certain, a few phone calls in the last week coming in. It's like, well, what do we do now? Even though... We've had these conversations. Can I get a financial like, vaccine of some sort? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fin- a, is a new financial vaccine yeah. out to stop me from the next recession? Uh, that's right. And it is, it is interesting. As much as you said it, okay, the markets will go and standard deviation is 11%. So the market could go down 11%. It's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to see your dollars go down 11%. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. So this is where, again... Having a financial advisor makes a huge difference, which I'm going to talk about a little later. Well, and, you, and even a conversation I had this week or, where um, the son of a client called and said, oh, I was just reviewing a portfolio for my mom and, and she's down $80,000 from the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, and so that's a significant amount sure. of money. Yep. And for him, you know, that was a year's salary mm-hmm. for, for his income and mm-hmm. thinking, wow, like, is that, what if it keeps going, you know? And this is where the mind starts to trip into this, uh, the, you know, the recency effect where you think something's happening right now, it's going to continue to yeah, happen. Yeah. And, and they extrapolate no it. Exactly. They automatically connect the dots and it's going to keep going that way. But it is interesting. When the market goes up, it's, it goes up by percentages. But when it goes down, it goes down by dollars. That's right. It was the dollar <laughs> amount, dollar figure that, that shocked him, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually said to him, well, I just looked at the portfolio change and it was 1.8% since the uh, since the since we started the year so right. down 1.8 percent yeah, so, so it's obviously not a very large percentage client. amount yeah mm-hmm. wasn't a lot on that from that picture but um, you know so I think that the, the key thing is to stay disciplined and to stay invested and that's sometimes easier said than done and but with a plan I think become that's where you can have more clarity and confidence around all of this because in the absence of a plan and you're not sure what, how is your asset allocation? Is it the proper asset allocation? Does it fit with your needs short-term and long-term? And then in addition to that, just knowing that, uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I think that there's two sort of categories here. There's those individuals dealing with this that are pre-retired mm-hmm. and those individuals that are dealing with all of this information and they're already retired. Right. And there are some differences in terms of how you're going to feel about it. There's no doubt about it. And there's also some differences in terms of the strategies that you're going to have about this. But, um, you know, I just actually want to say one thing when I think about on the front lines, the the hospital workers and staff and the nurses that are out there day in and day out looking after people that are subject to potentially being infected Mm -hmm. with the COVID-19. And I think it's just, uh, it's fantastic. And they they deserve all of our praise through all of this as well. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a lot different than the first time around with SARS. That's for sure. Yeah, well, this, because we know more and, um, you know, they're putting them, they're putting themselves, their families and they're they're at risk as well in terms of exposure. So Well, they also have uh, their custom made masks now um, that were done, which was great because Canada, you know, learned a lot from SARS. Mm -hmm. So they have their masks that were made so so there's nothing that can get through. I, had a, I was just speaking with a nursing, a nurse client of mine, and uh, 
Yeah, they're pulling them all out again. Um, they hadn't worn them for quite some time, but yeah. they had already had them before, so they're far more prepared this time. Yeah. So yeah, good for them for, you know, it is, uh, it, you know, you look at a, a fireman are fighting a fire. Well, this is a totally different yeah, piece, but yeah, at the same yeah. time. You need the equipment. Yeah, you still got to be yeah. brave to fight this stuff. So mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you're already retired and you're dealing with this COVID-19, the market volatility and the uncertainty around it, typically for those people that are retired, you're either um, doing something with your investments we call a SWIP, SWP, which stands for a systematic withdrawal plan. And this is typical of a RIF, for example, where you get a monthly payout from your portfolio, Mm -hmm. which means a piece of your portfolio gets sold every month and then a payout to your bank account. Uh, net of tax. The other option might be that you have a sweep and a sweep is where uh, you have investments that are generating dividends or interest that dividends, those dividends and interest are paid into a sort of cash account. And then at the end of every month, they sweep out that cash into mm-hmm. your bank account for your lifestyle and your right. living and your expenses. So th- there's, a, there's a subtle difference between each of them. In the sweep scenario as a retiree, you're not touching any of the capital. You're just simply living off the dividends and the interest. So if you had you know, 500 shares of Bell Canada, you still uh-huh. have 500 shares of Bell Canada. You're just simply taking the dividends right. off the top every single quarter. Um, now with a systematic withdrawal plan in a RIF, you typically are selling some investment because most cases you're having to draw down on the capital over time. So you're selling a little bit of your capital, but also taking some dividends and interest. And so I think the important thing as a retiree is to understand how much liquidity you have and what do you have access to in case you need money. So an example is I got a call from a client who um, has a wedding coming up Mm -hmm. and they, they need 25 grand. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I think the biggest, the most important part of this, and we talked about this last week too, is the communication that you have between your financial planner and the client to understand what are your liquidity needs going mm-hmm. forward? What lump sum expenses do you are you anticipating? Maybe it's a repair or a remodel to your home. Maybe it's a wedding. Maybe it's a car and you're going to need a lump sum of cash. And uh, so we'd already talked about this last fall. They knew the wedding was coming up next August, this August and that they need 25 grand. And so... Um, in this case, we had already set aside, in fact, 100000 into what we call a high-interest savings account, or a HESA. And th- this one's through Equitable Bank. They pay around 2%, mm-hmm. but basically they're liquid any time, right. and there's no volatility associated with that. So what that means is it freed them up to be able to leave their ongoing, their, their, the major portion of their investments alone that right. are producing income <laughs> for them, mm-hmm. and that they have this solid piece that's not volatile, not subject to market uh, ups and downs that they can tap into when they need a lump sum, in this mm-hmm. case for the wedding. So in, in some cases, I think that the important thing to think about then is what are our needs going to be? And um, it may make sense to review with your financial planner, where would we access a lump sum right now? How could we do, if we need money, where can we get it from? Let's set it aside into a, either a high interest savings account, or it might even be a GIC. Now, GICs with interest rates having dropped in the U.S. and and in Canada probably too, it's going to be um, lower rates on GICs. So currently you can get about 2.5% for a one-year GICs or the maximum versus 2% for the high interest savings account, which is completely liquid. Uh, But I expect that that will be dropping. And um, so if rates go down, people do think about this flight to stability and uh, and that tends to be thinking about GICs or high interest savings accounts. 
I, other than your ongoing uh, or any a lump sum needs you have, again, this is not a time to take your whole portfolio right. and convert it into cash. And, what about, uh, uh, let me ask this question. What about somebody who is approaching retirement, mm-hmm. maybe in the next year or so, or can go anytime just waiting for the per- perfect scenario like the river is? Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that if you're looking at the market the way it is now? Do you say, well, you know what, I'm going to keep working as long as I can because things are taking a hit right now? Yeah. What advice do you have for those who are looking at retirement in the next level? You're while? reading my notes. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was the exact same. Next time. So if you're pre-retired, the next, like thinking in the next two years yeah. or longer, um, you know, and you're not, in this case, you're not sweeping, you're not taking money out of your portfolio. Mm-hmm. You don't have a SWIP where you're systematically taking money out. The main thing, again, comes back to this liquidity issue. What issue, what money do you need in communication with your financial planner? What money are you going to need in the next 12 months? And, and the other thing that can happen through this is be prepared and being prepared with a lump sum that's sort of a, what we call an emergency or short-term reserve, because if there are, as we talked about, supply chain disruptions, we're talking about maybe a um, an economic slowdown, there might be layoffs. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be in, uh, impacted by a layoff for a period of time, what do you have set aside for a reserve? So I think the most important thing to prepare in someone approaching retirement is the unexpected uh, layoff or something that might happen in case of an emergency. I think the other thing is to make sure that you are continuing to save. You know, it's that packing, that regular pre-authorized contribution into your RRSP and, and TFSAs. Uh, people are going to be getting tax refunds too in the in the coming months. And I think that that's a great way to bolster your short-term reserve, pay down debt, or add to your savings. All of those are going to help with your financial well-being and get you more prepared, get you through this period, which we know will come to an end, uh, but also get you more set up for retirement as you get there. And finally, I think that... Um, with lower interest rates, that means that you're going to have more money potentially going against principal on any debt payments. So it's a good time to focus on paying down debt. Don't look at borrowing more because you've got lower interest rates or don't look at reducing your payment. Keep your payments the same with a lower interest rate environment and that's going to help uh, pay off some of that that outstanding debt. Any thoughts what what may happen with Canadian interest rates considering where American rates have gone? Probably. Where's that crystal ball? Yeah, if anything, <laughs> normally they follow suit. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we Isn't that bizarre? Because they didn't go up that much, and now here we are talking about it, them coming down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is kind of interesting. It, it may have actually backfired mm-hmm. because they're saying, okay, this is an impetus to you know, help the markets. Well, it might actually backfire in the fact it might have scared them. Yeah. says, well, wow, this is something real. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it had a reverse effect. So time will tell what it will actually do. But the same thing happened. The last time this happened was just before the Lehman Brothers mm-hmm. um, went belly up, okay? Yeah. And they had an emergency interest rate cut. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, the, the investors out there said, oh, wow, this is not necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see how this plays out. But long term, yeah, interest rate cuts usually do help the economy. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Make the call. They'll return your call. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, 
The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about volatility. Market volatility strategies. And one of the things that uh, you know we would recommend to almost everybody obviously is to, and, and this particularly with retirees, as even in this period of volatility right now, but is the contribution and maximizing your tax-free savings account. If you have capital left over and you're able to save, uh, a lot of times people find they get a RIF payment, they don't need all of it, you know, and then they're topping up their tax-free savings plan every year. So normally there's two ways that people are going to go about it. It's either going to be a lump sum, and I will get calls on January 2nd, mm-hmm. the, the day after we get back and every beginning of every year, oh, I want to get my tax-free savings plan topped up with $6,000 for 2020. Let's let, Can we get mm-hmm. that done? And then um, I have a number of clients that are doing it on an automated basis where yeah. they put in 500 every month. Now, the 500 every month is something that um, is, it's basically the discipline is there. Mm-hmm. There's no if ands or buts about it it's going to happen you're going to get your 6000 in and the question is is one way better than the other mm-hmm. now the only thing about the lump sum strategy is that even though most people a lot of people are very disciplined and they make the call in January they get the 6000 invested a lot of times they don't get the call yeah you know they they're away on a holiday, they get back, and then suddenly it's spring and, and they're, we're doing a tax review and they said, oh, we meant to, we meant mm-hmm. to bug you about getting your t- our tax-free savings done and it never did get done. So, um, or they didn't have the cash, the lump sum to do it. So I actually did a, uh, an analysis. We have a, a program which lets us back test to see exactly how an investment would have performed under different scenarios. And in this case, I use the example of if I put in $6,000 to our uh, IG dividend fund, and we did that every year from 2010 to 2020. So you put in 60 grand over the last 10 years versus somebody who did 500 a month over the exact same 10 year period. Both cases you've put in 60 grand. Now, I'm throwing it out to you guys. I'm saying, which strategy do Six you think grand. is better? Yeah, yeah lump I, sum. I would say the lump sum because generally the markets rise most of the time, so you're yeah. getting the money in earlier, so it should perform better in a greater amount. Yeah, more working for you yeah. up front. Yes, so there is that is the benefit, right? If you were disciplined to get it in in the beginning of yeah, every year, first, which yeah. was the assumption I made. So at the end of 2020, using our IG dividend fund, if you put in six thousand dollars at the beginning of the year for the ten years, you would have seventy thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight dollars, and the rate of return was two point nine percent per year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now remember, some money's only been there for one year. Right. And whereas other money's been there for the whole 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with the 500 a month. So under the 500 a month scenario, you would have $70,622. So the rate of return on that was actually higher at 3.1%, but the dollar amount is slightly less. It was $376 less. So you guys are right, mm. but you're wrong. Mm. <laughs> No, we have you're, one more. You're right. Explain be, that. 
Well, because that last $500 that you put in has right. only been in there for 30 right. days. Right. So it still, it just hasn't had as much time. So, but the rate of return can be higher right. because of certain volatility and timing market. Mm-hmm. So you, you've had less money in there for the same period of time, but the timing of when it went in may have enhanced the return. Right. So uh, at the end of the day, the difference is $376 over 10 years. So you guys are technically both right. It is the lump sum strategy if you're disciplined enough so to what do you do? Do you take it off every week and do that, or do you sweat oh. to try to come up with it at the end of every year to make 300 extra bucks? You know what? I'm going to come back to you next week, and we'll talk about if it happened if we did it weekly instead of monthly, <laughs> just to see if there's any difference. <laughs> what about biweekly? Or biweekly? Yeah. Yep. We'll look at those those two scenarios too mm. versus the lump because sum. think of any think of people who are contributing. Uh, on a monthly basis 500 bucks. this past week yeah. mm-hmm. because say the money went out at the end of the month or the beginning yep. of the month that was at Perfect. the bottom that was a you a just nice, have yeah. to get the boom February 28th yep. more shares boom, same amount back, of money more shares yeah. and that's so, what yeah. dollar averaging is all about mm-hmm. and uh, but it I must just, also in, in take into account how the economy is doing at that point right sure words, some it years it would reflected. be very yeah. flat other times like to this uh, time it would be quite volatile yeah. in fact the more volatile the market is the better dollar averaging or going monthly is for your per, or yes. for your return that would you make actually sense. get a higher return with the more volatility if yeah, it's exactly. relatively just on an upward trend yeah. you're better off to have the lump sum working for you mm. yeah. no the biggest thing is which is it going to do next year yeah. we don't know yeah, yeah. so and, and it's, <laughs> it's a bit of, of both <laughs> yeah just at the end of the day when you have the money invest it yeah because that's always that's the best true. time yeah. And for most people, monthly is the best because they paid their bills that way. They Their, their income's that way. You set, it, you set it and forget it. Yes. And the chances yeah. of you um, uh, not following through on the mm-hmm. on the monthly contribution because it's automated, mm-hmm. you're, 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 it's, the only way it's going to stop is if you actually make a phone call to make it stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, it, and unfortunately, you can't do an automated one-year one. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. They, they don't allow that. So you have to actually make a phone call and we pull it from the bank. And then people are in Florida where they forget after Christmas. So as Andy said, it usually does kind of get delayed, even to, even a week or so. But um, actually, just to go back a bit there, Andy, you mentioned about you know if you're nearing retirement, one one category are those uh, <coughs> ArcelorMittal DeFasco workers. It's kind of interesting. Their pension actually gets changed based on the market conditions, so they have an adjustment um, depending on when they retire. When there's actually a decrease in the markets, they um, will get a larger annuity portion. And so it's a, it actually can be an advantage for the DeFasco workers a out there. A drop in interest rates. Right? Yeah, so they're, they're guaranteed the, the more, uh, a higher guaranteed amount every year and because their fund has gone down. Mm. And so it may be an advantage for any of the DeFasco workers to contact their advisors and see if it makes sense at this point, should I retire now? If you were thinking of retiring in the first place, that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well listen to old archive shows. 
Working past 65, do we have to? <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. It's almost a stigma. Thinking, oh boy, that person had to work past 65, must be a failure. Mm. And it, it's interesting, um, 65 was really just kind of a date based on life expectancy yeah. many years ago. Yeah. And it was certainly a lot lower than it is currently. Uh, currently, uh, a male will live to age 80 and a, and a female will live to age 84. Mm -hmm. And that's not even including the ones that make it to 65. That's just in general. So the ones that don't make 65, uh, males will live to 84 and females live to 87. So it's a, a very good, that's a long retirement. Yeah. Okay, you're looking at uh, you know a 22 to 25 year retirement. Mm -hmm. And you go back to the 40s, Males live to 67 and yeah. females live to 70. You had a, like a two or three years. Yeah. That was pretty easy to plan back then. Yeah. So having things such as old age security and Canada pension plan, which wasn't in at the 40s, but still they more than sufficed most of the time. You had a little bit of savings. Mm -hmm. But it, and it's interesting, the second fastest growing area right now is 100 years old yeah. plus. Centurions. Yeah, the centurions. So it's, a, it is not, it's such a great stress reducer to work past 65. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is psychologically, people are just younger in general. They're in better health. Mm -hmm. So they some just need the, you know, the something stability, to something to do. Yep. They need something to work at. So it was interesting. So what I did, I looked at, well, let's say you had a $500,000 portfolio and you're making 4% and you retire at 65 and you say, I'm going to take out 40,000 away out each year. Mm -hmm. And the other person said, I, you know, I'm going to work part-time, I'm going to make 30000 somewhere, I'm going to quit at seventy. So I'm going to, you know, maybe quit my high-stress job, but I'm going to still going to work and I'll make 30000 a year at a part-time job. And that will mean I'll have to take out 10000 out of my mm. portfolio mm. to make up the difference. And then at age 70, I'll start taking out 40000 Well, it's interesting. If you just took out 40000 um, 40, a year and you made 4% on your money, your money would run out at age 83 if you retired at 65. If you work till, if you did do the part-time job, your money would actually grow. Your five hundred thousand would actually grow to five hundred fifty-four thousand, because you're not taking out all the return mm -hmm. every year. So at age seventy, it's actually worth a bit more than at age sixty-five. And then you start pulling out forty thousand a year. You'll actually end up lasting until you're age ninety-one. Hmm. So there's a big difference from an eighty-three-year-old and a ninety-one-year-old. Yeah. So that just that added thirty thousand a year for five years added another eight years of not running out of money. Mm -hmm. Big difference. So right now, people do plan on retiring at age 62 on average. It turns out that that is not the case. That might be their plan. Yeah. But uh, in the last 20 years, in spite of people saying, I'm going to retire earlier, the average age of retirement in Canada is now 64.3. Mm. 20 years ago, it was 61. People are actually working 3.3 <laughs> years longer wow. than they did 20 years ago. And personally, I think it's a great thing. Those people that like went out at 55, they must be bored to death. Well, yeah. <laughs> or broke. Or broke, yeah. Because if they worked to 90, lived to 95, there's 40 years that they had to save for. Yeah. So unless you had a defined benefit plan that was indexed with inflation that kind of went along and you got your old age security and Canada pension plan, you're kind of set. But for all the other ones that are sitting there with just a bag of money um, through RSPs or, or non-registered investments, you got to make sure that that money is invested properly and you, you don't run out. So again, working past 65 may not be realistic for everybody. Some people have a very demanding jobs, such as nursing, we mentioned before, construction workers. So they can't necessarily work past 65. But for those others, it may make sense to work. And really what it is, it's a double-edged sword. 
you're working more years and you're drawing out less years. So I, I look at it like a hockey team. And if you're playing against an opposing team and you know you got this one really poor player on your team, if you got that player off your team, it would benefit your team. Mm. Okay? That would be like working longer. And even better, what if you put that opposing player, your, that player off your team, and put it on the other team? Yeah. Not only that, you've, you've improved your team by having them off and you've, you've made their other team worse. That's like drawing down less money. And that's really what it is, a double-edged sword when you retire early because mm. you got longer, you're working longer, adding more to the pot of money, and you're drawing less. So it's, it's interesting. So like I said, it, people in their 40s, um, again, men don't live, only live to 67 and females to 70. Well, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to think that you got to have a whole new mindset on how long you're going to live now yeah. because you, know, you, you may even want to delay your Canada pension plan mm. and take a 42% increase. And uh, maybe uh, even to the old age security and get a 36% increase, or even if you did take it, keep working and put that money into a tax-free savings account. But at the end of the day, I would suggest it's not a failure to retire at 65. Look at the people that are well past their 65th year right now, and they are going strong. Um, if anybody's a Jeopardy fan, Alex Trebek, yeah. 79 years old right now. Um, Warren Buffett, he's doing pretty good from what I hear. 89 years old. Last time I checked, most of the people running for president in the USA. I know. <laughs> really? Is there anybody yeah. with, uh, you know, doesn't have gray hair? Yeah. So, And they're all in their mid-70s. Yeah. And so we look at the whole idea of, of planning for your retirement. And you know what it comes down to? You know, sit, definitely have a financial planner. Work out the numbers. And we work it out with inflation, what your lifestyle is, Um indexing your investments all the time, how often you buy cars, going through your cash flow, and also life expectancy. Putting that all together will give you the peace of mind that, okay, I definitely can retire now. Well, maybe I should work a little longer. And sh don't be ashamed that you're working longer. It's actually a great thing. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.